in effect. The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Jim Gould and Mike Rouse is guest presenter. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jim. On today's uh, Backchat, we're talking about the expansion of uh, Tongchong New Town and the extension of the MTR line that serves the area. A groundbreaking ceremony was held uh, last Thursday to mark the start of construction work on the rail project. It's scheduled for completion in 2029 and will include uh, two new stations, Dongchong East and Dongchong West, and a third new stop at Suho One. It's all part of the broader development of the area, which will result in a big increase in population. The new stations will eventually allow more convenient access for many to the MTR. However, it's been pointed out that... Uh, a lot of new residents will already have moved in several years before the stations are completed. After 9.45, uh, we're looking into a new requirement for visa applicants to declare any criminal convictions. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 Joining us now in our Admiralty studio, we have uh, Ian Brownlee, who's a uh, managing director of uh, Master Plan Limited, uh, Hong Kong-based uh, town and urban development consultancy, and uh, also on the line, um, Alok Jane, CEO and managing director of TransConsult. Um, good morning uh, to you both. Perhaps uh, Ian Brownlee, we can come to you first. Uh, hello, how are you? Good morning. Very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so just looking at uh, Tung Chung overall, the population now is about 100 120,000. By the time uh, all this is, all these works are completed and all the new people have moved in, it's going to be closer to 270,000. I mean, what's your sort of overview of the development in general? Well, if you, you go back to 2010, 2012, um, the government undertook studies to expand um, to the east and to the west of, of Tung Chung Town. And um, what you're seeing happening now is basically the results of uh, that planning that took place at that time. Um, if we go back even further, um, Chung Chung was quite fortunate and it was on the Airport Express line. And as the Airport Express um, was a priority and was built, um, the Tung Chung line was built in parallel. And the Tung Chung line um, opened before a lot of the people moved in. And that's completely different to the situation which we had in other new towns like Tun Mun or, or Tun Kwan where the, the towns were basically almost fully developed by the time the railway got there. So while, while you're talking about the future, um, the past has been actually very good for Tun, uh, Tung Chung in that the people basically, as soon as they, the first lot moved in, or very soon afterwards, they were able to get a, a, a train coming right into Central. And um, that, that is a situation which hasn't often happened. Um, if we look ahead at what's happening, and you can see in the, um, particularly in the eastern part of the town, um, the reclamation is basically completed now, yeah. and um, you're getting the development going ahead. And so we do have um, quite an intensive amount of development taking place in the east, which uh, will include a, the, the, the Tung Chung East um, railway station. 
and that will become the focal point for that area. So up until that opens, as you were talking about 2029, um, they still have the opportunity to go and use the existing Tungchung station, which everyone knows is the terminus of the town of the railway line at the moment. Mm. But um, but basically, in terms of, of Tungchung planning and the development, I think they've done a pretty good job. Um, they haven't done a perfect job. There's lots of things that could be done better. Um, but they, um, the overall approach to the town has been quite good. It's a conservation of heritage. Um, a lot of the areas, uh, Tungchung Bay, which was originally planned for public housing, um, the conservation argument won out. And so that, that area, the Tungchung Bay area, is basically remaining as it was. Uh, unaffected by development, and, and the streams and the rivers that feed into Tungchung Bay are also um, selected as being areas which are of, of conservation importance and are being managed in a completely different way to a lot of the other new towns where development has taken place. So overall, not too bad. Mm. Not perfect. Mm. Ian, good morning. Shouldn't we, or should we not, uh, from a planning point of view, be aiming for closer coordination between the build-up of the population and, and provision of a mass railway system. You, you, I got the impression from what you, your introduction is that we've always done it this way, that we always get the population in first and then we have a railway. And in a sense, Tung Chung people were lucky getting the railway before, before there was a very big population. Yeah, I, I think they were very fortunate. Um, in lots of ways, Tung Chung is uh, written on the back of the airport. Yes. And what's happened at the airport, like the expressways and everything. And, uh, you know, that that's fortunate. But there's a difference between the funding and the planning. So the the extension has, has for the um, the two additional stations has been in there, been in position for quite a long time. But, but as you know, the funding process within government is complex. And whether it gets the priority at the right time is really not a matter of urban planning. It's a matter of financial uh, planning and, and implementation. Right. Well, we used to have the Secretary for Housing was also the Secretary for Transport. The two jobs were combined. Um, why, is that, why is the coordination bad this time? I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it's bad. It's not as good as it perhaps could have been. Like they still have a railway access to the, um, you know, to, to the urban area. It's there. It's a matter of how you connect onto the train. And, and obviously, as the bulk of the uh, population builds up, it makes it more economic to open up new facilities. Yeah. Mm, mm. Yeah. Good morning, Alok Jane. Yeah, hi, good morning. Jim. Yeah, good morning. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, and thanks for speaking on uh, Hong Kong Today uh, earlier this morning about, uh, about minibus drivers, I think. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, good to talk to you again. Um, what do you reckon about this uh, project, uh, the rail project uh, in particular? Due for the new stations are due to open in 2029, which is uh, you know, still six years away. Well, I think the timelines are perfectly very comfortable timelines. Six years are good enough to, uh, you know, construct a station or even that short extension to the line that is there. So I am not concerned about the timelines as such. But uh, obviously, my concern on Tung Chung line extension comes from the fact that there is a capacity limitation because it shares the tracks with Airport Express. And right now, if you look at the load factors on Tung Chung line, existing Tung Chung line. 
which is running almost at capacity, uh, is already very high. So adding that, you know, doubling the population in Tungchung area while relying on the same track and adding just two stations, that doesn't mean we are going to run more trains. Uh, and that is going to be a bit of an issue. And I think that is an area where somebody needs to look at because uh, I think that that's a blind uh, spot in that sense. So, so uh, that, that would be my concern. But yeah, apart from yeah. that, I think it's a welcome addition. It has been in the pipeline for quite a long time. Uh, there has been, I mean, this is one popular, one land parcel uh, that was developable. Uh, you know, it was it had been identified for development for a long time. And yes, with more, more population intake, I think it will put less pressure on rest of the land. We have always been concerned about, you know, per capita um, space available um, in Hong Kong. And I think that would probably enhance, um, you know, those, those metrics those indexes for uh, for people. Mm. Yeah, you, you, you're right. The trains on the line have got busier over the past few, especially in the past couple of years. I mean, I speak from experience because uh, I get on the train at uh, Sunny Bay every morning when mm. I'm coming to work. And, uh, yeah, I've seen it. Um, uh, I mean, I, from what you're saying, though, um, is it going to be uh, difficult or, or not possible to increase the frequency <coughs> of the service? So currently, because they are sharing tracks and there are restrictions on the bridge, uh, you know, Chingma Bridge, uh, which can only accommodate one train at a time, mm. they can run, I think the maximum capacity that they can run is 28 trains per hour. And when you factor in um, airport express trains uh, into the equation, uh, Tung Chung line itself runs down to capacity of uh, about 22 trains an hour, 22, 23 trains an hour. And that is what they're running today. And there may not be uh, more room to add additional trains into the system. And that would mean that there, you are doubling the capacity, doubling the demand, but you may not be able to add significantly add the capacity uh, on the trains. And look, um, I'm starting to get alarmed <laughs> about the longer term here because presumably on land you could duplicate the track. You could have a separate line for Tong Chong and a separate line for the Airport Express if the demand got yep. right up there. But you come back to the bridge point, uh, there's only the one bridge. Would we have to build another bridge as well? Well, uh, not at the moment. I don't see any plans of doing that at the moment. But certainly uh, in the longer run, when you have those new Lantau, uh, not Lantau, develop, new Lantau development, and then there will be another bridges and another line that will relieve the existing Tungchung line. Uh, but I don't know what the timelines are on those, and, and those are still a bit far away into the future. But one obvious solution would be to connect Tungchung line further with West Rail in Tun Mun by completing the loop. So at least some of the uh, passengers can be diverted uh, towards the northwest. So a lot of people who come down to Meifu and then change to West Rail Line to go up north, they can directly from Tung Chung go towards Tun Mun. They don't have to take a bigger loop. So that would relieve some of the capacity on the existing Tung Chung Line. All right. What, what about, I'll come back to that point in a minute, what about the, the interim? Is it going to be lots of buses or minibuses before the railway's in? Well, buses are already there. There are a lot of buses and minibuses in Tung Chung. New Lantau Bus is uh, the franchise service provider. In addition to that, a lot of airport express buses, they all stop over in Tung Chung, providing them a connectivity with the rest of Hong Kong. So I think the connectivity in Tung Chung is fantastic.
terms of buses. Uh, obviously, when the railway uh, comes in, and if there is sufficient capacity on railway, that is going to impact the bus market significantly, especially uh, the e-buses, you know, the you know the airport buses, but the e starting uh, starting with an e, and and these ones which pick up a lot of uh, local passengers and bring them to Hong Kong Island and Kowloon areas, uh, they will significantly suffer. Yes, uh, that's when the rail is in. But won't we need more buses in the interim if we're doubling the population? Oh, yes, indeed. I mean, that has always been, uh, the, you know, the, the way we have done things in Hong Kong. Uh, when population comes in, there are bus routes and there are minibus routes. And then at a time when the railway is ready, then there is a bit of rationalization of bus routes. So that's a standard procedure um, which transport department follow. I think also there's been, uh, with the introduction of the link, that uh, the, the road link to Tun Mun, uh, there's an opportunity there to divert some of the people who are, as Alok just mentioned, are going currently on the Chung Chung line to, to change to go to the Northwestern Territories. But there's also a question as to why are people travelling? Why are they on the on the on that line? Um, th does it mean that we're once again not providing enough jobs in the locality, so that the traffic? Um, is diverted to be local traffic. So, for instance, there are, there are a lot of jobs at the airport. Um, there are a lot of jobs, uh, potential jobs, at the interchange with the, um, with the Greater Bay Area and so on. And how do these balance out the demands, which are currently and traditionally been focused on coming back across the bridge to get into the urban area? And maybe there's an opportunity to divert it there. But there, there's also... In the plans for Tung Chung, and it's always a, um, a tricky one, you, you provide the floor space or a requirement for the floor space, but do the jobs come? But they're anticipating to be 40,000 jobs in the new town eastern extension and the commercial development that they're going to bring there. The question then is, um, okay, we provide this floor space, who's going to use it? Because it's in a rather different location from, you know, a, a, an in-town office development, and it's not really at the airport. It's sort of in between, and the uh, existing Chung Chung um, development has an office block there, which um, struggled for years to be able to get full um, occupancy. So um, there is a, an idea to try and balance the, the demand so that people don't have to travel on the train back into the urban area. How successful that will be depend on what's going to happen in the next 20 or 30 years because there's quite a long build-up for that. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, uh, also... If I, if I may add uh, on that one, uh, you know, Ian, uh, I think this experiment of locating jobs in the where people live has been around for quite some time in Hong Kong as a part of the New Territories development. And if you recall, uh, all these Northwest New Territories and Northeast New Territories, they also had a lot of employment opportunities, and the idea was that not many people will have to travel. But what we have seen in reality is that despite doing that, a lot of people over a period of time, uh, you know, becomes dependent. They are coming to CBD, uh, Central Business District, and they are always uh, traveling on the railway lines. And that has been uh, true for Tunmun, Yunlong, which had uh, a lot of industrial areas which were underutilized and, and a lot of population who were still traveling. And that was the reason why West Rail was built uh, in 2003. So I think it, people travel patterns is more dictated by the employment opportunities and the quality and the type of employment instead of just the employment as a number. 
Yes, I mean, it, that makes sense. A person who's got a job wants to keep going to that job normally. They were, they, it's got a career. Um, they're not going to sort of, oh, well, there's a big empty piece of land and a big office building. I'll just get a job in there. Unless their mm. company or their employer expands into that or moves to that, uh, they're going to keep going back to where they, where they have a job. I think that's probably exactly, correct yeah. to, to some extent. But, you know, if we take a, a, a bit of a longer-term look, um, you know, the connections to the, to the Greater Bay Area across um, from Hong Soi Q and the Northwest NT are going to be much more direct. So if there's employment opportunities uh, available in that direction, which we know that there will be because of the, the build-up of um, economic development on the end of the, the bridge connection, basically, and the new railway connection, that there's going to be opportunities created in that way. So the traditional approach of coming back to, um, to the urban area all the time, is may, maybe it's going to be diluted over time, but it's probably not going to be happening uh, at the same time as the first occupants move into, the, um, into these new buildings. For instance, the, um, the program is that the, the people should be starting to move in 2023, and I think you can see that on the uh, public housing development that's taking place on the eastern part of the uh, of the town yeah, at the moment. it's going up very quickly, isn't it? Yeah. It's all going up very quickly, and um, I mean, th there's also a bit of a, an issue regarding the the social mix of what what is it going to be? What's Tung Chung going to be as a new town as we look to the future? And the um, situation under the current planning is that it's about 60%, 60 to 65% of all the residents are going to be uh, public housing residents. So that the actual occupancy in terms of, uh, or the availability of flats to purchase in the private sector is becoming, going to become a reduced proportion of what's probably been there in the past because the, the ori original development of Caribbean uh, Coast and the other major uh, private developments there um, is going to be um, coming a smaller proportion of the total as the number of public housing sites and the number of public housing flats become available. So if you, you look at that and you look at the problems that we've had in other areas where there's been very high concentration, like if you take Tinsoy Wai as an extreme example, very high concentrations of, of lower income families. Um, then whereabouts are they going to get their job? Where are they going to be able to travel to to get their jobs? How far are they going to have to go? And so there's not just a physical connection problem and the capacity of the trains, but there's also social issues that are going to start to come out when you look at the mix of the community. And if you take one of the original intentions of Tong Chong, it was to feed the airport. Um, where are the, the higher income people going to be able to get their accommodation in a close proximity to the airport and and th that to me i think is a bit of an issue as well mm. it's not uh, you mean disco bay won't be enough for the pilots you mean discovery bay yeah <laughs> sorry discovery bay with uh, its full not, name i mean it, it's a, it's an issue because not everyone wants to live in public housing and not everyone is eligible to live in public housing. So the middle income people who are not eligible for public housing, where are they going to go? If we've got very limited numbers of, um, of private flats available and if we just look at what happened with the uh, airport, uh, sorry, with the MTR, 
um, when they gazetted the tender for um, Oyster Bay development, um, which is a proportion of that is still public housing, but also the main component um, of private housing is likely to flow from a development like that. And they put it out for bidding, and they got three bids uh, from Chung Kong, Sunungay, and Wheelock, who are three of the bigger developers, and and, in my view have their pulse on the market and the future market. And the MTR withdrew that from sale uh, because they were not satisfied with the, uh, the tenders that they got. So if we have a situation where um, the government, and there were a lot actually, uh, there were about four or five other properties that were withdrawn from the market around about the same time. And it's uh, if you have a, a government uh, conflict of policy where on one side you're promoting more housing, but in the other you're actually uh, asking for a high price for the land to build the private housing on, then you have a conflict because you're, you're going to finish up with a high cost private development flats in the area. So that is a big opportunity that's been delayed and deferred. So when, when is that going to be put on the market? We don't know. They just said at a, and they just said last week at the MTR AGM that they will put it on the market at an appropriate time. But your, your fundamental point there was that a lot of the people working at the airport are going to be middle management or relatively well off, maybe too well off for public housing. So where are they going to live? Um, turn one. I think that it, the Northwest New Territory Link, that is the one reason why it is important. There is an ample amount of in the private housing that is there in Northwest New Territories, and there are a lot of new developments that are going to happen. Hong Shui Q is a new development node that is um, going to be built in, that is a new station on West Trail Line. So I think that all that connectivity uh, towards Tung Chung would matter, and it will also help to disperse some of the demand on on the future Tung Chung line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, of course, talking about the airport, uh, there are a lot of vacancies at the airport, right? There's about 50,000 vacancies at the moment. I mean, um, in terms of the, the number of public housing flats that are being built in uh, Tung Chung, uh, um, well, as, as Mike says, obviously a lot of airport jobs are uh, in professional services, but, uh, but how many of those, um, if you like, uh, public housing residents do you think could be accommodated through uh, jobs at the airport? Oh, I have no idea, actually. I mean, yeah. it depends. Well, usually well, it will be just the frontline jobs, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at the, at the, usually at the lower rung of the, of the organization. Um, they will, of course, could be coming from there. So these will be cleaners, baggage handlers, and people like those uh, who will be more eligible, who will be eligible for public housing, depending on their incomes. But obviously the whole working level, uh, the office staff, the white-collar jobs, uh, they are usually uh, in, would be in a salary bracket that would not make them eligible for um, public housing. And, and these are the people who would possibly be looking for private uh, accommodation, private housing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, there's going to be some dislocation in the sense of mismatches then. People... Well, Hong Kong is small enough to call it a mismatch. Uh, you know, in Hong Kong, anywhere to anywhere is less than an hour, yeah. literally. So, yeah. which is the normal commute time in many parts of the world. Yeah. So, people uh, will travel from different parts of Hong Kong to any other part. 
for uh, better employment opportunities. Yeah. yeah, and the other thing, of course, about the, the Dong Chung line, it, it's very fast. I mean, uh, you know, it's less than 30 minutes from you know, downtown Tung Chung to get to Central. If you I'm, work in I'm Central, it's an, no it's an, it's an between, easy uh, commute. Once yeah. you have two more stations, it's going to slow it's going down. It's going to slow it down, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, sure. I'm intrigued by the idea of the development in Northwest NT and, and in the GBA, everything, pulling things further north. Um, wow. That's a, that's a big scenario, isn't it, Ian? But, but it's something well, that's which... That, sorry, Alok, you go. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Dima, yeah. No, it's something that's being planned. You know, the connections across to to the Greater Bay Area are, are going to improve. So there's a movement to the north and to the west. And, and if you look at the the overall plans and the connections across, the east of Hong Kong Island, east of Hong Kong generally, is still going to remain basically the underdeveloped, uh, environmentally um, friendly area with nice country parks and everything. But the the western side is going to be the connection point across. And you can already see that, I think, by um, the recent opening up of the bridge connection across to private cars. And, and in today's paper, they're asking for more opportunities to go that way. So it's not just going to be the railway. The railway is basically serving um, the local people. But... I think generally the the train services in Hong Kong are now getting at capacity even off peak and and we're seeing more and more people going onto the railways and more and more complaints of not having uh, an opportunity to get on within one or two bus uh, trains and and that that is not just happening on the Tung Chung line it's happening all over the place um the Northwest NT uh, they have problems getting onto the train station while we're, we're building an, another station at Hung Soi Q. By the time it gets there, the train's probably going to be full. Mm, OK. All right, well, stay with us. We're going to take a short break for a news summary and uh, a couple of announcements. A uh, uh, quick look uh, at the weather. Uh, mainly fine today. Very hot with a top temperature around uh, 33 degrees in the urban areas. Hotter in the new territories. Uh, the outlook, uh, uh, very hot in the next few days as well. Um, and currently it's 28 degrees. Humidity is at 76%. And the very hot weather warning is in effect. Now the new summary with Ben Che. Transport consultant Alok Jane says a plan to import mainland minibus drivers to address a labor shortage could work as long as there are safeguards in place. Mr. Jane, managing director of TransConsult Asia, said the wages and working conditions here would be attractive to workers on the mainland. Turkey's electoral authorities say President Recep Tayyip Erdogan will serve another five years after declaring him the winner of the presidential election runoff. With most votes counted, they say he defeated his challenger Kemal Kilij Darolu, who complained the poll was unfair. And Malaysia's Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim has told media to stop self-censoring and criticize him without fear. He was speaking at an event to mark National Journalist Day. I'll have more news at 10. The government has launched HKE Toll. With a vehicle tag, there is no need to stop to pay tunnel tolls. Tolls will be deducted from your account automatically. Starting from 5 a.m. on May 28th, HKE Toll is implemented at the Lion Rock Tunnel. When using toll tunnels that don't have HKE Toll yet, please continue to use the existing payment methods. Visit hketoll.gov.hk for more. Drive smart with HKE Toll. Our district councils are supposed to serve the people in the districts, but the councils were sabotaged and disrupted. They got sick.
and could not function properly. Now it's time to heal and get the district councils back on track to improve district governance. District councilors are to make constructive suggestions to the government, improve the community environment, and listen to the people's views. The district councils can and should function well for the people. Improve district administration. Build a better community. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. And welcome back to Backchat with Mike Rouse and me, Jim Gould. And uh, this morning, we're going to continue our discussion about the uh, development of Tongchong New Town and the extension of the rail line that uh, serves the area. Um, with us is, uh, our, well, we have Ian Brownlee, who's Managing Director of Master Plan Limited, uh, and that's a, a locally based town and urban development consultancy, and Alok Jane, CEO and Managing Director of the Transport Consultancy. Transconsult, and also now joining us on the line, uh, Gary Jung, uh, lawmaker and vice chairman of the LegCo subcommittee on railways. Uh, Gary Jung, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, So we were talking uh, before the break about the kind of coordination between urban development and uh, public transport links. Um, So, you know, the the new stations on the Dongchung line are going to be hopefully operational by 2029. But, you know, uh, people are going to start moving into the area, into the the new reclamation area uh, um, fairly soon, maybe like early next year. What do you you think about the, the coordination factor here? Oh, and that's um, yes, that, that's true. The, the, the first, uh, the first batch of uh, residents uh, to that area will actually be moving in earlier than the completion of the new railway station. And uh, definitely, uh, uh, from a planning point of view, that's not a very favorable um, arrangement. But um, yeah, um, in fact, the Tungchung Line extension, including the new station uh, at Tungchung East. Is actually uh, uh, was actually recommended uh, back back uh, back, um, back, uh, back in nearly ten years ago, and we only started the construction uh, uh, this year, and we uh, the, the the design only commenced um, uh, two years ago. So um, that that was due to a, v- a different various various reasons, and some of the. Uh, the, 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 the progress of the uh, railway delivery um, was um, delayed due to different political and economical reasons um, uh, during the previous government. And uh, yeah, I, we have to admit that it's not a very uh, favorable arrangement. Uh, good morning, Gary. The other thing that's message that's coming through here is that the Tung Chung line is already very busy um, and that the extra stations are going to cause the, the train to take longer to get from end to end because of the uh, maybe more stops. Um, well, what about the capacity? What can we do about the capacity? Uh, in fact, uh, uh, during, uh, our, during our discussion uh, in the railway sub- subcommittee in Dutchco, we actually raised the same question to MTR and to government as well. They showed us their analysis and uh, um, and. According to the uh, according to the estimate from the transport uh, transportation model, uh, after uh, I mean in the initial stage of uh, after opening of the Tongchong Line extension and, the, and also the new station at Tongchong East, the capacity should uh, should still be okay to um, to cope with the 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 the, 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 the new population uh, from the from the new development new residential development, but uh, and. 
I also need to I also want to point out that, that the the Central Line Extension project also covers the construction of a um, of a uh, airport railway extended overrun tunnel, and that tunnel. Uh, that's that's also part of the of the, the project, and the the, the, the so-called extended overrun tunnel um, will be constructed at the east of the existing Hong Kong station at Hong Kong Island side. And after the after the completion of this tunnel, the Tunchong Line and the Airport Express Line altogether will achieve, will be able to achieve their mass, maximum design capacity. And we are talking about like more than thirty to forty percent of uh, capacity enhancement. So um, it's it's uh, I, I so it's a, it's a, it's possible, it's positive to say that with the with the construction of the this new overrun overrun tunnel, the capacity of the Tungshan line will be significantly improved and should be able to cope with the the future population development. Okay, yeah. well that's encouraging. Uh, yeah. It allows for a quicker turnaround of right. trains, doesn't it? The overrun. Yeah. With the development of the Greater Bay Area, there's some suggestion that that's going to be providing. More job opportunities in Northwest NT um, and up by the border with Shenzhen. Do we need a rail link from Tungchung across to Chunmun? You mean uh, building the new rail link from Tungchung to Chunmun? Yes. Oh, it's actually uh, according to some government long-term railway plan. Uh, in fact. Uh, uh, um, there, there will be a railway link, not not exactly from Dongchong to Chunmun, but from, but also from Chunmun to Lanto, to part of the Lanto Lanto Island, to and then also to the to future uh, artificial um, uh, the the the, yeah, the they, islands. So um, yes, that's uh, that's in part of the government long term plan. But of course, the details need to be uh, worked out and uh, analysis uh, carefully. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the uh, the Gawi Chow artificial islands, which envisages yes. a line coming from Hong Kong side through there, underneath there, and then looping underneath Lantau to uh, linking up with Sunny Bay, um, which is. Uh, already gets quite busy actually especially when the disneyland trains come in and uh, you know the platforms get quite crowded do you do you have any concerns uh, gary jang about uh, about the capacity at sunny bay station uh, in fact uh, as i just mentioned um, for the initial stage yeah uh, when we talk about disneyland uh, the the crowding caused by this uh, the, the, the disneyland disneyland park uh, we we have to uh, bear in mind that this uh, this passenger flow actually is happening at a different time as those commuters. I mean, mm. those traveling, those traveling during the morning peaks mm. and the evening peaks. So, actually, the the, the the passenger flow of the passenger flow profile of the Dongcheng line is actually distributed throughout the day. It's not like uh, super concentrated, like uh, like we like what we saw uh, in, at Admiralty Station in the past. So. I, I sort of agree with MTR and government that for the initial stage of the, the, the project opening, after the project opening, the, cap- the capacity should be okay. And really the key of the, the, the key factor will be the completion of the overrun tunnel because that will significant, significantly enhance the train frequencies and uh, enhancing the capacity for nearly like th- uh, 30 to 40 percent. And with, the, with that overrun tunnel, it should be okay. Yeah. Mm. 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 Um, um, Alok Jane, you, you, you mentioned earlier though that there was a uh, there's a limited uh, uh, carrying capacity on the bridge. That's correct. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So on the Chingma Bridge, yeah, there yeah. is a there is a structural uh, limitation of the bridge, uh, which can uh, not, not 
one train at any given point of time on the bridge. Oh. Mm. So only one train? One in each yeah, direction? on the bridge. Yes. So the bridge... <laughs> yeah. Mm, mm. Oh, oh. One in each direction, yes. One... Okay, okay, okay. so it could be... Uh, well, two trains, right? One, yeah. Yes. Okay. But only one, yeah. out of airport and Tung Chung line, only one at a time. Mm. One at a time in one direction, yeah. Yes, so mm. if it's the airport mm. express going over, it's not the Tung Chung line. That's <laughs> good. So it has to share the tracks and, and there are right. parts that have to be allocated between the airport express and Tung Chung line. Mm. Mm. Um, 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 Gary Jung, um, it yes. has been suggested that, uh, well, I mean, the Dong Chung line and the Airport Express, they share the line for most of the way, apart from going through the uh, stations. Um, uh, has been suggested that, uh, like, more lines, parallel lines could be built. Um, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, um, I think the, yeah, the, the, the bottleneck or the, or the mm. uh, actually the maximum... Uh, Capacity is as just um, as, as just mentioned. It's actually uh, uh, it's limited as a Chima Bridge and and, and also the the cross harbor the cross harbor tunnel or the, the cross harbor railway tunnel because the uh, at these sections at these sections the the airport express and the the, the Tongcheng line they actually share tracks and uh, this cannot be easily uh, changed. But um, Again, as I just mentioned, even I mean, uh, as of today, the this uh, maximum capacity has not been fully utilized. Has not been fully uh, 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 utilized, and we and and this can be this can be enhanced by uh, adding the overrun tunnel to to increase the train frequencies, and also by adding more 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 trains to. Uh, to, uh, to 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 the to the to the services. So um, so. Um, so um, and the, the population, uh, the, the population increase in the landfill area is actually already is already uh, 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 being considered in the master planning in the time mm -hmm. in the in the time planning mm -hmm. of the of the area. So uh, so still we need to um, look at numbers and compare them and to say whether they are enough, whether they are sufficient. Mm -hmm. I think to some extent we're just going to have to uh, wait and see, aren't we? We think we've coordinated. We think we've got the transport build up and the population intake roughly in line, but experience will, will tell us whether we got it right or wrong. Yeah, Ian? I, I think also the, um, as a, as a Chung town matures, um, people won't want to, for instance, the new ones that are moving to Tung Chung, um, they over time will break their, their connections to the new, to, to the urban area. And they'll be, hopefully the whole of the airport area, the Tung Chung, the other developments in area will become more self-sufficient, and also the distribution of of other jobs off in the other direction to the north. So, I think if you look at the planning for Tung Chung as a whole, um, it's a pretty good place. It's going to be a pretty good place to live. It's got water frontage in a lot of areas. It's it's reasonably well uh, urban design, but um, I think there's still opportunities that. Uh, could be developed to make it an even better place just by, for instance, connecting Sunny Bay to Tung Chung along the waterfront. You're going to have an opportunity to create uh, a recreational spine, which is 
probably similar to that which connects along the the, the waterfront between Charlton and Taipo, where you have the, a road, uh, a, a footpath and, and a bicycle path, and you have recreational facilities along the way. And if we look at, at a, a broader connection, um, you, you'd be able to go from Sunny Bay right through to Tai Taio along the trails that exist already, and mm-hmm. then, and then back over to the other side of the of, of Lantau. So there's an opportunity to develop in the future, um, not just with the housing and everything else, but the actual recreational and the quality of life components, which will make Tung Chung even better than what it is going to be in the immediate time. But uh, I think. If that sort of uh, process is able to mature, then the demand for moving to work in town is going to reduce. And if that is the the largest component of the people um, uh, moving in the morning and so on at the peak times, if if there can be more jobs created at at the uh, roadhead, the bridgehead at the airport and within the new commercial development in Tongchung, hopefully the need for everyone to move it's not going to be so great, and, and things will happen in a more constrained area. Mm. Uh, and, of course, Tung Chung also has great access to Lantau Country Park. Yeah, it does. Do you have any thoughts about... Um, I mean, uh, traffic at the moment is restricted. Uh, if you want to go over to the south side from Tung Chung, would you expect in future it would be made a bit more easy? Or? I, personally, I, I hope they never do, <laughs> because the, there's a character to the South Lantau coastline which is so completely different to everything on the north, and that's been a policy uh, to sort of yeah. keep the, the south for recreation and, and mm. environmental quality, and I think that's a, an opportunity which should be retained as long as it can be possibly retained. Mm. And it can be met at least in part by... Buses. I've taken the bus before yeah. from Tung Chong to Taiyo, and that's uh, yeah. it's a very nice route. <laughs> yeah, you could walk along the trail too, Mike. It's a very nice, interesting trail. Mm. I'll tell my niece <laughs> your advice. Mm. 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 But perhaps just one point I would like to add here is that, you know, Tung Chung line, and, and even despite adding capacity, this is what we are creating is a single point of failure. So if there is anything, any signaling or any failure that happens on Tung Chung line, that is going to create havoc. And and obviously that would mean that the government uh, should retain a significant amount of transport in terms of buses to give resilience to the network. Uh, and it, it should not be bus or rail, it should be bus and rail kind of a solution. Okay, all right. Well, um, thank you uh, to all of you for joining in uh, our discussion uh, this morning. Um, That was Alok Jain, who you just heard, CEO and Managing Director of uh, TransConsult. Thank you to Ian Brownlee, Managing Director of uh, Master Plan Limited. And thank you very much to Gary Jung, a lawmaker and Vice Chairman of the LegCo Subcommittee on Railways. Uh, Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. Five years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hello, I'm Michael Wong, the Deputy Financial Secretary. For the past 95 years, our THK has shared a common journey with Hong Kong people. Going forward, I trust that our THK will continue to provide Hong Kong with more programs that are rich in content and that can move our hearts. 95 years of public service broadcasting. 95 years. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. With Hong Kong. 
And for the last uh, 10 minutes uh, or so of this morning's programme, we're going to be turning our attention to another topic, and that is a change to uh, the immigration rule uh, requiring uh, people coming to Hong Kong um, uh, getting visas to declare whether or not they have any criminal record. Uh, this uh, w rule change will take place on June the 19th. It will apply to uh, foreign domestic helpers, uh, imported workers, uh, students, um, people like that. Um, we're now uh, joined uh, on the line by Stephen Barnes, who's a co-founder of the immigration consultancy uh, Hong Kong Visa Centre and uh, author of the Hong Kong Visa Handbook. Uh, Stephen Barnes, good morning to you. And a very good morning to you. Uh, thanks very much uh, for joining us. Uh, so I guess a, a lot of people would say, well, you know, uh, this sounds uh, perfectly reasonable. What do you think about this change? Well, it is actually. I mean, I think Hong Kong has historically been an outlier, not requiring applicants for status here to disclose their criminal status or otherwise as part of the application process. Hong Kong's always been, you know, pretty sort of liberal, to be honest, in the way that our immigration policy has been administered and certainly constructed. And the uh, recent adjustments, I think, just are a natural sort of um, adjustment that you'd consider given what's going on uh, elsewhere around the world. Mm. Yeah, because I suppose m most other places already have this requirement. Very much so, very much so, yeah. And uh, in fact, I mean, the way that it's being put into the mix at the moment, it's still, you know, relatively easy because all that you need to do is to make a declaration as to what your status is. Uh, in many other jurisdictions, that's not sufficient by itself. You need to, you know, chase around the world to every other jurisdiction that you may have lived in over the prior 10 years and get uh, police clearance certificates from those uh, jurisdictions, adding significant cost and stress and time to applications. The Immigration Department are asking for that. They're just saying, you know, you want to come and live here. Uh, we want to know if you've got any criminal, criminal convictions or not, which I think is quite reasonable, all things considered. Well, it, it sounds reasonable. My worry can, is what you've just implied, which is what's, what's the enforcement going to be like? Well, that's a good question, Mike. That's a good question. The, what's happening here in all of this, of course, is that the Immigration Department are being a lever to pull that they haven't had historically. And, you know, the Immigration Department exercise their duties under the provisions of the Immigration Ordinance, which devolves discretion to the administration of visa policy to the director of immigration there's no government gazette that sets out you know transparently what the decision making criteria are in right. relation to various applications and uh, i can't see that coming into play in terms of how discretion is going to be used uh, in relation to you know those people who do have criminal convictions and who are disclosing them as part of the new application yeah. process well there's two things isn't there one is what happens if you disclose your criminal conviction? You had, uh, I don't know, something relatively minor in the Philippines or Indonesia 10 years ago. Does that mean you can't get a job as a, as a domestic helper in Hong Kong? Well, that's, that's, that's a good point. Um, I mean, all I can sort of speak to uh, this is sort of my anecdotal experience down the years. What I've come, kind of come to fathom uh, is that, well, firstly, it used to be there was no known record of serious crime. So the question is, you know, what amounts to serious crime or not? 
Um, you may recall back in 2012, Mike Tyson was due to come to Hong Kong to give a speech. Uh, and because it, he was getting paid for it, he necessarily needed to apply for short-term employment visa. Well, being a highly public figure with a, you know, a record of a known crime, a record of known serious crime, a conviction for rape, you know, the question is begs as to what the Immigration Department were going to do about that. Now, you can only conclude from the fact that he was able to come and give the speech that they didn't have any particular problem with him uh, and his rape conviction. Now, what the underlying rationale for the positive decision was in that case, you know, your guess is as good as mine. But you can also kind of glean from, well, I've been able to glean down the years from the way the Immigration Department have treated those foreigners who have found themselves in hot water with the courts here whilst holding employment or other residence visas. Generally, if the uh, sanction has been something less than uh, imprisonment, the Immigration Department have inevitably granted those folks extensions to their visas when they've come up for renewal. So that doesn't seem to have been held against them. Um, and then I've also been, you know, down the years receiving plenty of questions by my website. Uh, where folks have disclosed to me that they have uh, had various convictions for various things, generally smaller uh, instances, infractions of the law, uh, drunk driving, uh, drugs charges, this kind of stuff, that they were concerned about whether they were going to be able to get visas approved. And I've had a bit of a dialogue with them. My operating assumption has been that subsequently they've applied for the visas anyway, Never heard back from the majority of them to suggest that they got denied uh, as a result of uh, having that in their background. But then again, you see, they didn't have to disclose right. it. So if they weren't having to disclose it, query how how so deeply were the immigration department looking, right. uh, you know, to see if there was a known record of serious crime before they granted their approval. So what, it's, what's going to happen to someone who is found out later to have made a false declaration? Well, I mean, in, in, a, in a sense, you know, uh, making a misrepresentation to, a crim uh, to an immigration officer is a criminal offence. In itself, so, yes. Indeed, yeah. But, but, I mean, the obvious sanction is sort of, uh, is you'll be sent home. You, your visa will be denied. Correct, cancelled. Well, de 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 denied if it's discovered prior to approval. Right. Or, or uh, cancelled if it's discovered after approval, yeah. Right. Policy so is the best policy, right? Well, yeah, I was just thinking, so your helper did something in the Philippines 10 years ago and then suddenly she's whipped away. You wake up one morning, you haven't got a helper because yeah, her visa's been cancelled. Yeah. Well, there's another question too, which is, you know, what are the immigration firm going to make of spent convictions? Um, most jurisdictions, Hong Kong included, uh, the Rehabilitation of Offenders Ordinance, I believe it's called, uh, create the environment for small criminal convictions to be wiped uh, off the slate, as it were. Yep. I think it's, if it's less than 10,000 Hong Kong dollar fine, three years later, it just gets removed from the record. And so what are the immigration department going to do about spent convictions that I disclose as a matter of course, but are indeed spent uh, in the jurisdiction? Are they going to have to be spent equally in the sense that the Hong Kong system would have regarded them as spent as well? Well, you'd imagine so, right? But once again, your guess is as good as mine. I've got, and also, I'm puzzled because there used to be a form when I went to America 
that you had to declare you weren't coming to do any terrorism or <laughs> and, and yeah, they, right. I, you weren't yeah. planning a serious crime yeah. or you well, weren't going to well, do yeah. anything spying. Well, mm. I always wondered about the usefulness of those. Well, I can't imagine anyone ever saying yes. Well, they pulled it out of the sort of deep from within the legislation, right? And uh, there was some some obscure, very old language, uh, moral moral turpitude or something like that. I yes, I even learned how to spell turpitude. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, exactly. No, we haven't got any of that. I think you just have to tick a box or otherwise on the forms here now. And if you tick a box to say that you have, you have to write a letter and explain yourself, and then see you know what they make of it. In rea in reality, are people going to answer that question honestly, or are they just going to tick the box? Well, I'm going to advise my clients to tick it honestly, obviously. But mm. I think you find that most people do. Uh, coming to Hong Kong, going to any jurisdiction, you know, to move here mm. uh, is a serious matter, and you don't want to do anything to compromise, uh, you know, the potential for that. Mm. And it could be worse. I mean, in many ways. Uh, it, this is not going to apply to visitors at this time. I don't know if you've been to Australia recently as a visitor. Every time you go in, there's a box on the on the uh, on the form uh, that you have to complete on the aircraft before you even arrive to disclose whether or not you've had any criminal convictions. And if you tick that box, no matter how long ago it's been, uh, they're going to drag you off and they're going to uh, you know uh, investigate you and uh, give you a secondary examination to see if you represent some sort of you know meaningful security challenge to Australia while you're there. We haven't got that in Hong Kong at this stage, so I guess it's uh, we have to count a blessing. Do you think a lot of employers might welcome stricter um, uh, vetting or testing? I mean, given that you know um, domestic helpers often dealing with children, elderly people, that sort of thing. Uh, I never thought about it from that perspective. I think. I mean, we don't. We really don't do foreign domestic help diseases, to be mm -hmm. honest. Uh, it's difficult to acquire any expertise in that, and frankly, there's no money in it. The girls themselves tend to know much better about how it works mm -hmm. than we could ever do. But just in terms of you know other employers that are seeking uh, visas to enable their foreign nationals to come and live and work in Hong Kong. Uh, one would assume that they're doing their own level of diligence in the background before they extend job offers to them, and I'm not certain that they ever thought that the immigration department might play a role in doing some vetting as to you know the quality of the characters of the folks that they were hiring. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting, right? I mean, now it's one extra question in the process that uh, never used to have to be addressed that could uh, compromise the potential for that foreigner to get employed after all. Okay. So. Yeah, all right. we wait and see. Yeah, all right. Well, thanks very much for speaking to us uh, this morning on the programme. Stephen Barnes there, co-founder of the uh, Immigration Consultancy uh, Hong Kong Visa Centre. And uh, thanks to our listeners, and thanks very much to you, Mike. Zero criminal convictions up to this point. Right, very good. OK, let's hope it stays that way. And we'll see you uh, next Monday. Um, coming up uh, is the news summary, followed by The Brunch.